Well, good morning, church. And good morning to those of you that are watching online, too. Hey, if God is good, just put your hands together. He is so good. Like, it is so easy, isn't it? It's so easy and to fall into temptation of focusing on the, the bad. It's so easy to focus on, on the tragedy. It's so easy to focus on the things that are going wrong that we forget just how good our God is. And we forget that he takes that ugly stuff and he turns it in to good stuff. So I'm so grateful that, that the worship team uh, reminded us of the goodness of God this morning. And I hope that you're encouraged by that. Hey, why don't you just look to the person around you and just say, I'm so glad you're here today. Just let them know that you're so glad. So today we've been in this conversation called Contagious. And today we're wrapping it up and, and we've been looking at this one thing. We've been looking at how God created the church to be contagious, that it was always God's idea for the church to spread like a wildfire, that it was always God's idea for us, the people inside the building, to not stay in the building, but to go outside of the building and spread the good news, to sneeze on people. And so we've been looking at what does it look like to be a contagious church, and in our first week, we were challenged. I challenge you to spread the good news by sneezing on others. And I did that intentionally because every time you sneeze, I wanted you to be reminded of the fact that we are called to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to every man, every woman, every child. And so my hope is, is that every time you sneezed over the past few weeks that you're like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to share the gospel with someone. So, so we said we're going to sneeze on people. The second week we talked about, or we said that there's too much at stake, right? There's too much at stake not to be contagious. And that's why our mission here at Warehouse Church is that we say that we're here uh, so that people can experience transforming relationships through Jesus. And so everything that we do is centered around that one statement, that we want to see people come to know Jesus and not just know him, but be transformed by his goodness because there's too much at stake. In week three, uh, we said that only healthy churches are contagious churches. And that contagious churches are healthy churches. And so we said that we have to perform a, a regular spiritual checkup on our lives. And I gave you five questions to ask yourself last week. I said, hey, do a spiritual checkup on your life. Ask these five questions and see how you're doing. And then get a, maybe there's a prescription that needs to be prescribed to you at the end of those. And then maybe there's some things that you need to do to become spiritually healthy. And I even said that the leadership of our church, the leadership at Warehouse Church, we're going to ask those five questions too. We're going to be asking ourselves, how are we doing as a church? And there may be some things that we're prescribing to ourselves to become a healthy church because healthy churches are contagious churches. And today I want to talk about how a contagious church is fueled by love. But not just any kind of love, but a crazy kind of love. That if a church is to be a contagious church, it must be fueled by this idea of love. And the truth is, I'm just crazy enough to believe that God wants the church to love others so much that we will do whatever it takes to love people. That God wants the church to be known for its love. That God wants the church to be known for its generosity, for giving of our time and our money and our abilities and creating a movement of generous churches all inspired by the love of God, all fueled by this crazy kind of love. 
And you see, when we do this, when we become a generous church, when we become a contagious church, we begin to alleviate the suffering in the world and we change the reputation of the church in America. Now, I know that you might be sitting there thinking to yourself, Pastor Rick, like that's crazy talk. Like there's no way we could do that. But I, I think we can. And, and I can't imagine devoting my life to anything else than becoming a contagious follower of Jesus that spreads the good news to those out there. And the truth is this. The truth is that we need to stop. We need to stop giving people excuses to not believe in God. Like we need as the church, we need to stop giving people excuses not to believe in God. And you hear people say all the time, they say, oh, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in organized religion. And, and many people, and maybe, maybe people wouldn't say that if the church was living like it was supposed to. Like if the church was truly being a contagious church, maybe if the church was known more for what it's for rather than what it's against, that people would have a different view of organized religion. You see, the command, the command to love is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. I just want to say that again. I want you to let that sink in. The command to love is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. It's at the center of everything that we do. It's at the center of everything that we're supposed to be. Jesus often preached to love God and to love others as the greatest commandments, not suggestions, not just, hey, this would be a great idea, but Jesus commanded us to love others and to love him. And I want to give you an example. I want, you, I want to share with you a story of Brooke, Brooke uh, Bronkowski. And, and so Brooke, she was 14 years old, and she lived a life of crazy love for Jesus. She was actually crazy in love with Jesus. And when she was in middle school, Brooke started a Bible study on her own campus. And she just didn't go to her, her student ministry friends. She just didn't go to her close friends, but she invited her lost friends to come and be a part of this Bible study so that she could share the love of Jesus with them. When she, uh, when she also, she spent her babysitting money. So she'd go babysit and she'd spend all of that money to do what? To buy Bibles. She would buy brand new Bibles to give to her unsaved friends at school. So I want you to picture, if you will, her backpack was full of Bibles. And she would hand them out to her friends that were lost or her friends that didn't go to church. And she would give them this gift of God's word. She was crazy in love with Jesus. And when she was just 12 years old, she wrote an essay. And I want to share with you her words. I want to share with you what she wrote in this essay. She wrote this. She said, I'll live my life to the fullest. She said, I'll be happy. I'll brighten up. I will be more joyful than I have ever been. I will be kind to others. I will loosen up and I will tell others about Christ. I will go on adventures and change the world. I will be bold and not change who I really am. I will have no troubles, but instead I will help others with their troubles. You see, I will be one of those people who lives to be a history maker at a young age. Oh, I'll have moments good and bad, but I'll wipe away the bad and only remember the good. In fact, that's all I remember, just good moments, nothing in between, just living my life to the fullest. I'll be one of those people who go somewhere with a mission, an awesome plan, a world-changing plan, and nothing will hold me back. 
I'll set an example for others. I'll pray for direction. I have my life before me. I will give others the joy I have, and God will give me more joy. I will do everything God tells me to do. I will follow the footsteps of God. I will do my best. She wrote those words at the age of 12 years old. And a couple years later, as a freshman in high school, Brooke was in a car accident and it ended her life. And she was just 14 years old. But her impact didn't stop on that day. At her funeral, over 200 of her uh, fellow students gave their lives to Jesus. And Brooke led more people to the Lord in one day than most people will ever do in a lifetime. In her 14 years on earth, Brooke was crazy in love with Jesus. She was faithful to Jesus. Her life was short, but she did not waste it. Her words even seem a bit prophetic in that essay that she wrote two years before she died when she said, you see, I will be one of those people who live to be a history maker at a young age. You see, Brooke lived a life of crazy love. And I want you to hear this today, that the call, the call to live a life marked by love is a consistent message throughout the Bible. Like as you read the Gospels, as you read the New Testament, as you read the letters, you'll find that there's this one message, this one theme that is consistent throughout the entire Bible. And it's this, that we are to love God and that we are to love others. Jesus even said this. He said in John, he said, hey, others will know who you are by what? By your love, by your love. When the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church at Corinth, he instructed them to do everything in love. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I want to I read that passage to you, chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. And here's what Paul says as he writes to this church. He says, listen, church, he says, be on guard. He says, stand firm in your faith. Because here's what Paul knew about the church. He knew that there were going to be people that were going to come into the church and try and sabotage the church. He knew that it was going to be hard and difficult to be a Christ follower in the time in which they were living in. And so he tells them, he says, listen, you got to be on guard. you got to stand firm in your faith. And he says, be courageous and be strong. Because Paul knew the calling on the church's life to spread the gospel. And he knew that if people were going to spread the gospel, that they had to be courageous. And they had to be strong because there was going to be points where people rejected them. There were going to be times where people made fun of them. There were going to be times where they didn't feel like doing it. And he's like, listen, y'all, y'all got to be strong and courageous. And then he said these last four words. So important. He said, listen, church, if you're going to be a contagious church, it says this. He says, do everything in love. Everything that you do, do it in love. Now the church at Corinth was in the city of Corinth and it was a Greek city and it was under Roman uh, power and Paul wrote this letter uh, to the church that he'd already planted. So Paul often did this. He would go into a city. He would, he would uh, raise some leaders up that loved the Lord and he would raise them up. He would start a church and then he would let them loose. He say, here, this is your church. Go, go make a difference in the world. He said, go be contagious. And then you go on to another city and start another church. Well, Corinth was one of those churches. And he's writing this letter because the church at Corinth is struggling. 
It's a young church. It's one of the most recent uh, churches that he planted. It's so young and so immature and it's struggling. And so he writes this letter. He writes this letter to them in 1 Corinthians to encourage them, saying, hey, keep doing what you're doing. I, I, I left you some great people. Listen to what they're saying. Follow what they're saying. And everything that you do, do it in love. So he writes it to encourage them and then also to kind of correct them on some theological misunderstandings because he knows and he sees and he hears that the church is beginning to drift. It's beginning to drift away from the mission. It's beginning to forget why it's a church. And so he's correcting them and he's encouraging them. In 1 Corinthians 16, it's the final chapter, the final paragraph, if you will, of the letter that he's written. And you know, you've written letters before, maybe emails, maybe you don't write letters anymore, maybe you write emails, but that last paragraph is always like summing everything up. And that's what he's doing in here. And he provides some guidance to the church. He's providing some wisdom. And he's reminding them, hey, don't forget to set aside money for, for God's work. And don't forget to give according to your means. And he, and he says, listen, I, I'm sending some some." folks to encourage you. I'm sending the guy named Timothy and Apollos, and they're going to come, and they're going to encourage you. And, and he urges them. He says, welcome them. And then he kind of gives them a farewell. And before he does that, though, he says to the church, he says, listen, in everything that you do, do it in love. And, and so what, the, what Paul has written to the church at Corinth very much applies to the church in America today, that we must do everything in love. We must do everything in love because it's an act of obedience. Listen, God's call on our lives to love him and to love others, it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. God commanded us to love him and to love others. And so it's an act of obedience to God. To, to, love, to do everything in love means that it keeps our motives right. That when we're doing everything with a heart of love, it keeps our motivation for why we're doing what we're doing in the right place. We do it out of love and it leads us. It leads us to be more like Jesus. But what does it mean? Like, what does it mean to do everything in love? What does that look like? Well, earlier in 1 Corinthians, Paul goes to great lengths to define and to describe what this perfect love looks like. And in the earlier passage, he gives us context to what it means to do everything in love. And so if you flip your Bible back a couple chapters, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and looking at verses 4 through 8, in this passage, Paul defines what perfect love is. And you've, you've heard this verse, many of you before, maybe you even read it at your wedding if you're married, or you've been to weddings and you've heard them read it, because oftentimes people think this is like a romantic kind of love. This is like a love between a husband and a wife, but that's not the case. Paul is saying this is how we should love everybody. That he's defining what perfect love looks like as he has looked to God and as he, has, as he has prayed and he has listened to God. This is the definition of love. And so if you have your Bibles, read with me verses 4 through 8. He begins, he says, listen, love is patient. He says, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And this description of love helps us to understand Paul's instructions to do everything in love. To do everything in love means that, we, uh, that we're patient it means to be patient. It means to be kind. It means not to envy, not to boast, not to brag. Look at what I did. That's not what perfect love is. 
To do everything in love means that we don't dishonor other people. That we don't bash other people, that we don't talk about other people, that we don't tear down other people. That's not perfect love. It says that, that we don't brag or become easily angered. To do everything in love means that we rejoice in the truth of God. We rejoice in God's word. We reject evil and we trust and we hope in him in all times. And as followers of Jesus, we can make choices, you and I, every day out of love. We can make choices to live our lives out of love every day. And that results in us being patient with other people. It results in us being kind. It results in us being forgiving. And we can live in ways that reflect obedience and trust in God by doing everything in love. And Paul went on to write that we could even do something as extreme as giving everything we own to the poor. But he says, but if you don't do that out of love, it doesn't count for anything because that's how important love is. And so do everything in love. When we do things out of love, that means that we're not doing things out of selfish ambition. We're not doing things to pump ourselves up. We're not doing things to make ourselves notice or to make ourselves look good in front of others. Doing things out of love helps us as followers of Jesus to become more like Jesus. It helps us to help other followers of Jesus to become more like Jesus. When we do things out of love, it helps those who don't have a relationship with Jesus, those who are lost to meet and get to know Jesus through our love. The members of the church in Corinth, they were spiritually young and so immature. Like they were just a brand new church, just trying to figure things out. And they had begun to live in ways that were contrary to living a life for Jesus or a life of love. And so Paul calls them out on that. They were having disagreements about everything. I mean, the church was fighting about everything. They were fighting about divorce and sexual immorality. They were fighting about the color of the carpet. They were fighting about the chairs. They were fighting about everything. And these arguments that they were having were resulting in division in the church. And it threatened the unity and the longevity of the church. And Paul knew that. He's like, man, half of you are sitting on this side because you believe in one thing. And half of you are sitting on this side because you believe in another. And the middle people, you're like with both sides. And, and there was division happening. And the church was beginning to crumble. And Paul gives them this word and he reminds them, listen, that stuff that you're arguing about, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He's like, instead, here's what you need to focus on. You need to focus on doing everything in love. That meant accepting one another. That meant correcting one another's misbeliefs. That meant having hard conversations. That meant fleeing from sinful, beha sinful behavior. And, and not only your own, but when you see your brother or your sister fallen, you're like, hey, I noticed that there's some things you're doing that don't line up with the love of God. And so maybe we should rethink that. And maybe you shouldn't be doing those things. And I only tell you that because I love you. I do it out of love. And to do all that they do in love for God and love for one another. And so Paul writes these words to the church to help them to grow and to help them to become the church that God created them to be, to become a contagious church. And this same message applies to us today. And it will help us to deepen our faith. It will help us as a church to grow, mature. It will help us to become more contagious because a contagious church is a church that is centered around a crazy kind of love 
A contagious church loves crazy. And when we do everything in love, we can walk in the ways that God would have us to walk. But loving others is more. And hear me when I say this. Loving others is more than just being nice. I think we live with the assumption that if we're just nice people, and if we're nice to people, they're going to know automatically they're a Christian. Oh, they're nice to me. They must be a Christian. But I got to tell you, it doesn't work that way. Like, I know plenty of people who are nice and good people, but who are not Christians. And I'll be honest with you, I'd sometimes rather hang out with them than some Christians that don't know how to have fun, right? Like, there are tons of nice people out there, but, but there is more to living a life than just being nice or just being friendly or just being polite or just being kind. You see, true love makes you stand out. True love is loving a person who's hurt you. True love is, is giving to the poor with no strings attached. True love is serving the least of these. In 2006, there's a true story of a man who, and you may remember the story, he walks into an Amish school and he kills several girls in the school. And the story unfolds and it says the day after the shooting, the day after these girls were shot and killed, several families from the Amish community visited the family of the shooter and told them that they forgave him. Like they didn't wait months, they didn't wait weeks, months, or years. The day after the shooting, families from this Amish community went to the shooter's home and said, listen, we want you to know we forgive you. And the reason the story made headlines is because that sort of forgiveness is crazy to the world. Like, we don't see that kind of love, a true love, a kind of love that's only found through Christ. And we are called to love that way. You and I were called to love our enemies and do good to them. Like, can you think of the last time you did good to someone who harmed you? Can you think of the last time you walked up to them and you forgave them? But that's the crazy kind of love that Jesus showed us in the Gospels. And God is asking us to show that crazy kind of love to the world around us. So what does that look like for us here at Warehouse Church? Like if you're a guest today, if you're a guest online or in person, you get to kind of see a behind the scenes look at what we're going to be doing and what we're focusing on. Because here's what I want you to know is here's what it looks like for Warehouse Church to be a contagious church that's, that's powered or fueled by a crazy kind of love. And the first thing I want you to know is we're going to keep pushing forward in our community. As a church, we're going to keep pushing forward. We're going to continue to look for ways to love on people in Floyd County in such a way that it makes us stand out. Not so that we can brag and say, hey, look at what we did. But it could stand out so the community can say, hey, look at that church. They love us in a way that nobody else does. So we're going to love our community in such a way that it makes us stand out. This past week, we had an opportunity to love on 1,000 employees of Floyd County School System by handing out these little prayer cards right here. So we had these prayer cards on every chair in the Mountain Arts Center for their opening day. And every teacher and every janitor and every lunchroom person and every bus driver and every administrator and every uh, um, uh, front office person, they got one of these cards. And the card that said, listen, we want you to have an awesome year. That's what the front said, have an awesome year. We're praying for you and we're cheering you on. 
And then when they opened the card up, it said, listen, we want you to know you are loved. Warehouse Church wants you to know that we are for you and that we're also here for you. And we were praying for you, and we gave them a, a, an email address where they can send their prayer requests. And they could just say, hey, I'm having a rough day. Can you pray for this? And we'll be praying for them. And so we had an opportunity to love on these amazing people that day in and day out love on our children and create a legacy within the lives of our children. And so uh, we're going to continue. We're going to continue to do whatever it takes to love on our community as a church. But let me just challenge you. Let me just challenge you to think outside the box and don't just wait on the church. Like, don't wait on the church to love on people. I want to encourage you to love on people on your own. Go love on people on your own. Find ways to love your neighbor. Find ways to love your coworkers. Find ways to love the people that you, uh, that you run with or that you play golf with or that you go quilting with. Find ways to love on people on your own. Don't wait on warehouse church to do it. You go do it on your own. Love on people in a crazy kind of way. And so number one, we're going to keep pushing forward in our community. The second thing I want you to know is we're going to continue to reach beyond our community, beyond our city. We're, going to commit, we're committed to reaching beyond. And Jesus didn't tell us just to love those that are nearby. But he also called us to love those that are in other neighborhoods and other cities and other nations all across the world. And again, this week, we had another opportunity to love on some people in another neighborhood. We got a chance to love on some kids that were flood victims in Knott County that lost everything. And so they get ready to go back to school and they have no school clothes because it's all gone. And so we got an opportunity to provide for six kids to provide complete uh, wardrobes for their first week at school, like shirts and jeans and socks and underwear and shoes. And I posted it on Facebook in less than 24 hours, every single item was claimed for by the people of our church. Because we want to continue to reach beyond our city because as a contagious church, we're committed. We're committed to continue to expand our influence and share God's love beyond the city limits, beyond the county limits, uh, into other neighborhoods, into other cities and into other nations. Last week, we had our business meeting, and Nathan stood up here, and he said, he talked about our 10% fund, that of every dime you give, 10% of that goes right back out into the community, immediately, automatically. Like, we take 10% right off the top, and we tithe back to our community and to the world. We're supporting people in Japan. We're supporting people uh, in, in Europe. We're supporting people in other parts of the United States. We're supporting young people and old people. We're supporting students who are a part of crew uh, in ministries on college campuses. Uh, we're supporting people in our own community. We're giving back to people right here in Floyd County. And so we're going to continue to be a church that looks for whatever's happening beyond our city limits. Third, we're going to do whatever it takes to get people here. And I want you to hear my heart on this. We're going to do whatever it takes to get people here. Yes, we're going to continue to pray for the 90% in Floyd County. We're going to pray for boldness. We're going to pray for opportunity. And our prayers are going to lead us to action. Because you can pray for so long, but your prayers should lead you to action. And so we will also extend the invitation. 
Like over the next four months, we're going to challenge you to be more invitational than you've ever been before. We're going to challenge you to invite your neighbors. We're going to challenge you to invite your coworkers. We're going to challenge you to invite your friends. We're going to even challenge you to invite complete strangers to experience what happens here at Warehouse Church. Because we want to see every person experience a transforming relationship through Jesus Christ. Now, let me just give you some freebies here, uh, some examples of what that looks like. So for us, what that might look like, if we want people to come here, we want them to experience uh, a welcoming and friendly and inviting atmosphere. So we're going to challenge you to park in the faraway spots. Like when you come to church next week, I'm challenging you to park, find a spot far away from the building, as far away as you possibly can, so that we can save the close spots for those that are going to be coming and, well, and, and visitors and guests that are going to be coming into the building so that they can feel welcomed. But not only that, we're not going to stop there. When they come into the auditorium, we're going to save the back seats for them. Like we're going to say, you know what? I'm going to sit up close. I'm going to sit up next to where Rick is. I'm going to sit in the spray zone. I'm going to sit right up here. And uh, because I'm going to leave the best seats in the house for our guests. Because you know a guest, you've been a guest before, where do you want to sit? You don't want to sit up front, you want to sit in the back. And so next week you're going to think, you know what, I'm going to live a crazy kind of life. I'm going to live crazy love. I'm going to park far away and I'm going to sit really close up front. And that's what I'm going to be committed to doing. I'm going to, be some, I'm going to live some crazy kind of love. I'm going to sit up close. See, we're going to do whatever it takes to get people here. And then finally, we're going to up our game when it comes to loving differently. We're going to up our game when it comes to loving differently. We're going to become so obsessed with loving differently. Scripture tells us, and the Bible tells us throughout the Bible, that we are to be consumed, consumed with Jesus and to faithfully live out his words. That's what the Bible says. Nowhere in the Bible does it teach us to hold back our love from Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, ah, you know, that's too much. That's overboard. I can't do that. It always says, be fully consumed all in, in your love for God. And so we should be obsessed not only with loving God, but we should be obsessed with loving others. We should care more about God's kingdom coming here on earth than our own safety. Like we should be so obsessed with obeying God so obsessed more than doing what is expected in culture to fulfill the status quo. We should be obsessed with serving and take joy in loving God by loving on his people, by opening the door, by greeting them with the welcome desk, by working with our kids or hanging out with our students. We should be obsessed with being what we call doorkeepers around here. Listen, people who are all in for Jesus, guess what? They're known as givers not takers. They're known as givers, not takers. And we should be known for our generosity. And we should be constantly giving to those who are in need. And I don't know if you've ever heard this or not. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you can't outgive God. But we sure should heck try. Like we should try. We should be generous with our time, generous with our gifts, generous with our, with our talents. You see, people who are crazy in love with God, they have an intimate relationship with him. People who are crazy in love with God have a deep, intimate relationship with him. They're nourished by his word throughout the week. You see, those kind of people, they know that 30 minutes on Sunday is never enough to sustain them the entire week. And so they're madly in love with getting in God's word. You see, church, loving God is at the very center 
of what it means to be a Christ follower. At the very center, it's all about loving God and then loving others. And that's why Paul said these words, do everything in love. Do everything in love. Everything that you do, do it in love. It's crazy. It's risky. It's costly. It takes time. But that's what the church is here for. The church is here to be contagious. The church is here to display a contagious kind of love. We should be loving people in such a way that they're like, I want what they have. We should be living our lives in such a way that people go, why do you love me that much? Like, why? How can you forgive me? How can you love me? And we get to say, because God first loved me. And because God loved me, I love you. If we are to be a contagious church, better yet, if we are to be a contagious follower of Jesus, everything we do must be done in love. And not just any kind of love, but a crazy, obsessed, whatever it takes kind of love. And church, I want you to know, I for one, I want to live that kind of love. I want to live a love that gets the attention of God. I want to live a love that puts a smile on the face of God. I want to live a kind of life of love that causes God to stand up and say, well done. How about you? Anyone else want to live that kind of love? A crazy kind of love? Like that's not a rhetorical question, that's a real question. Anyone want to live that kind of love? Who's with me? Like who's with me in living a crazy kind of love? Let me just, let me take a step further. If you're with me and living a crazy kind of love, would you stand up? Just don't stand up if you're not. That's okay, nobody's gonna look down upon you because we love, right? But if you're willing to live a crazy kind of love, just stand up, just stand up. Because listen, if you can't get crazy in here, there ain't no way you're gonna get crazy out there. And so let's get a little crazy today, okay? Now I don't want you to just stand up. I want you to come forward. Like if you're willing to live a crazy kind of love, I want you to come forward. Just come up here, just come up here if you're willing. If you're not, it's okay, nobody's judging you, nobody's looking at you if you're not. But if you're really serious about living a crazy kind of love, being a contagious kind of person that loves God and loves people that will do whatever it takes to share the love of God with others by the way you live your life, just come on up, just come to the front. I won't spray on you, I promise. Just come on up here, fill in the center. Just come up, if you're willing to live a crazy kind of love, just come up here. I'm gonna give you a couple more minutes. Come on up, don't, don't be, in the, be up here, come on. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for boldness. I wanna pray for opportunity. I wanna pray for empowerment. I wanna pray that God will equip you. I wanna pray that you fall so in love with God's word that it just oozes out of you. And that the people at your office or the people at your work or the people where you go to school are like, what is wrong with you? And you get to say, my Jesus died on a cross for me so that I could love you. I love you. Let's pray. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for every man, every woman, every child that's standing right here in front of me. God, and those that are standing around in the sanctuary, Lord. 
God, I thank you that they hear your calling on their lives to live a life of love, but not just any kind of love, a crazy kind of love, a love that makes people go, hmm, there's something different about them, a kind of love that changes people's lives, a kind of love that makes people become history makers. God, I pray that you would bring uh, encouragement to every person here. God, I pray you would bring boldness in their lives. God, I speak, uh, I speak just uh, overwhelming love in their lives, that they would fall so madly in love with your word today, Lord, that they, could, that they would just flow out of them, that your love would flow out of them in the lives of people that they do work with, that they do life with. Father, would you encourage them today? God, would you, would you, would you let them know that you love them so much? God, that it would just overflow their hearts and they would be so overwhelmed with your love that they couldn't keep it in. They can't keep it to themselves. They gotta tell other people. God, because that's where it starts. It starts with you. It starts with a loving relationship with you. So God, fill them up. May your Holy Spirit just fill them up to overflowing with love. And God, give them boldness. God, give them boldness. Because Lord, there's so many people in our community that have no idea who you are and have no idea that there's a God out there that loved them so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for them. So would you give them boldness to go and speak that? Not just live it with their actions, but to speak it with their mouths and tell other people that they are loved by you. God, I'm excited. I'm so excited to see what you're gonna do in the next few months with, these group of, with this group of people that is committed to living a crazy kind of love in our community. God, do what only you can do and let us just sit back and say, glory be to God, glory be to God. We love you, Lord. God, thanks for loving us. Just sit right there for a minute because there's other people in the room. And Father, if you're in the room and you've never given your life to the Lord, today is the day. Today is the day to say yes to Jesus. Today is the day to say, you know what? I've never given my life to the Lord. I've heard about it, I've thought about it, I've considered it, but today's the day I'm gonna do it. And the Bible tells us the only thing we have to do is confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. Believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. So if that's you today, just in your seat, wherever you're at, just say, Jesus, you are my Lord. I give my life to you. Just say those words, Jesus, you are my Lord. I give my life to you. One more time, Jesus, you are my Lord. I give my life to you. God, you're so good. You're so great. Thank you for your love. Thanks for loving us. And may we love others in the very same way. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you're sitting up front, look around. Just look around real quick before you go back to your seats. See all these people? They crazy love you. They crazy love you. Like there is no one on earth that loves you more than the people around here and God. And so now we get the opportunity and the joy. And let me tell you, it's joyful. We get the joy to love people in the same way. So you go out there and you love people like crazy. You love them to death. You love them so much. They're like, what in the world is going on with you? And you just get to say, I love Jesus. How about you? All right. So go to your seat. Actually, no, you stay right here. This is what we did last time. And it was really cool. We just worshiped right here. So the first service, we just sang right here. Y'all stay right here. If you want to go back to your seat, if you're like, I'm an introvert, I got to get away. That's fine. Go back to your seat. 
But man, you are welcome to stay here and just worship the Lord as we sing our closing song. The altars, we'll make room. You can come and pray at the altar. Uh, there's always room for that. But just sing. Just let this be your, your seal in the deal. Let this say, you know what? I'm all in. I'm going to crazy love, and I'm going to sing this song like I crazy love the Lord. So let's sing together.